I never trusted Klingons, and I never will. Oh, I think it's racist. It's time for What the Deal with Sports, the podcast with Max and Theo. Hello and welcome to another episode of What's the Deal with Sports, the podcast. I'm Matt. This is Theo. Today we are talking about sports and community, or sports and local, or why we cheer for maybe the teams we do. And we have some special guests with us today. We have Reg. Say hello. Hello. And we have Neil. Hi. Ah, welcome to the show. So I think the easiest way for us to start today is perhaps to talk about why we like the teams we like. So maybe, Theo, you could start... <laughs> Talking about some teams you like, and yeah. what led you to that? Well, it's, I mean, I have several teams that I like. That, I mean, there's teams that I like that, that, that where I grew up there, and, you know, there's a sort of, I don't know, genealog- genealogical connection, I guess. But why do I follow the Baltimore Ravens, for instance? You know, I've, never, I've never been there. I have no <clears throat> earthly connection with that city. But I think... Uh, it's one of it's an it's an example of maybe a more arbitrary kind of fandom, right? Where I needed a team to follow because I was getting into into uh, NFL or American football, and and th- there was a number of reasons that I followed them. They were pretty good, but not that good because you don't want to be the person who kind of starts liking a sport, you know, and immediately chooses the best team right like it's this sort of classic example I remember, Matt you were telling me one time about a friend of yours who was like a man, Manchester United uh, fan yeah sorry Jill I hope you're not listening <laughs> to the podcast that person sucks no, <laughs> but you know like were you like oh right. I like soccer and she decided she, wanted, she liked soccer and she wanted to follow a team and she chose right. the New York Yankees right right and so I didn't want to do that I didn't want to follow the Patriots or whatever so the Ravens kind of appealed to me because of um they're named after, you know, tangentially after a poet or a poem. Right. Like Alan Poe, who's buried in Baltimore. Raven, obviously. And uh, I think it was right after The Wire had been popular, and I liked that show. And, you so know, you're, you're basically tra- following trends. Well, <laughs> but, you know, it was a sort of a arbitrary choice, but it, w- it seemed as, as good a reason as any, I suppose. So, so you almost picked the team by a kind of theme? Yeah, almost. Sort of? Because it didn't, I mean... It, it, I, any any choice would have been arbitrary. And it, it struck me as as one that would make sense. Why the Vikings for you, Matt? Uh, well, I mean, this is it. We'll, we'll get to me eventually. I, I <laughs> oh, you, you, you're handing that off to. Well, no, but I think. Um, well, I thought we'd give our guests some space. But, well, I could talk about that, but I think what was, so it was interesting things that you talked about that I was thinking about was number one. It's interesting that to follow a sport because I would be the same way if I started following soccer, for right. example. You're like, well, I better pick a team to follow, right? It's difficult to think of like, oh, I'll just follow that sport on you, its own. You could do that. You could just follow a sport, and to some extent, I really, in the end, I don't care if the Ravens particularly win or not. But I th- <laughs> the thing that I felt with with it was that because football, in particular, is is a complicated sport, I thought it would be easier to sort of learn it by actually kind of being invested in particular people playing in particular positions, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, it was. It was also pragmatic. That makes sense too. Yeah. That's interesting for me. I I followed the CFL primarily, but mm-hmm. the NFL I got into by fantasy football. Mm-hmm. So I ended mm-hmm. up liking Aaron Rodgers because statistically, I well I ended up with him randomly because mm-hmm. I didn't know any quarterbacks and he had good numbers. That's a pretty good guy to end up. With. And then and so I like that team. 
but there's no emotional investment. You don't it's, care. If, yeah. yeah. But the riders. But the riders, riders are. Now, is this something that's childhood kind of? Th- how long have you been followed the so Saskatchewan Rough Riders for anyone who's not from Canada and probably has no idea who we're talking about? Yeah, the oh. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Maybe the team with the most annoying fans in the CFL. I don't know. It depends. From the inside, we seem fine, but from the outside, maybe yeah. we look really bad. Brief genealogical history of my fandom. My dad grew up in Winnipeg, big Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan, moved to Saskatchewan and converted. And so he raised his three boys as Ryder fans. Pictures of us wearing Ryder clothes from a young age. And now I've moved to Alberta and I haven't converted oh, to an Eskimo fan. Yeah. I retained this and I'm passing it on to my son. Mm-hmm. He has no choice. This His fandom your, has been Your son determined. who is one in a few months. He already has a Grey Cup. <laughs> wow. wow. But, so... It's it's something that does that mean does it mean a lot to you in CFL? Yeah, strangely, like it, I mean, it actually does. Uh, our our families, my brothers and our um, and my wife and sisters on know that after riders lose, particularly in the playoffs, mm. you don't really talk to us for a while. Mm. You you avoid the wee boys for a little while after riders have lost. Things get thrown, <clears throat> profanities. <laughs> Here, here's something that I'm interested in for the two of you. So my fandom, my, the connection to my teams is not geographical. Mm-hmm. So the teams that I cheer for, and really there's only kind of two at the moment, and that's the Vikings in there in Minnesota and the Tigers are in Detroit, and I'm not from either of those places. And um, I cheer for the Vikings because my family all cheers for the Vikings. And that's Why do they cheer for the Vikings? Well, my father, really good. Uh, my father uh, had a friend who lived in Sault Ste. Marie, or was it North Bay? One or the other. Which and was the style of the time. Which was, yeah, he used to wear an onion <laughs> on his belt. Um, no, and that's somewhat near the, the, well, it's close to Minnesota, close enough. <laughs> and so that guy chose, cheered for the Vikings, so my dad did, and now we do. And that's, mm. so I'm cursed to suffer because of that one guy. Mm. They, the Vikings have never won anything, sadly. And then the Tigers, I cheer for them because I used to be a Blue Jays fan, and then when I was like eight years old or seven years old or something, my older brother told me I couldn't because that was his team. <laughs> So I picked a team that was one spot ahead of them in the standings, <laughs> and that was the Tigers. And then, of course, the Blue Jays went on to win back-to-back World Series, and the Tigers have not. Well, they've won in my lifetime, but not since I was a fan of them. Mm-hmm. So, But what's interesting to me then, so what I wonder, my question to the two of you, because obviously the All Blacks have maybe a more prominent national type, but do the Riders have a sort of provincial pride for you? Like, if they win, are you just like, well, I'm glad my team won, or are you also feeling something for Saskatchewan as well. Yeah, there's a nostalgic pull to it for sure. There's, I mean, the thing that people both say sort of as out of self-defense as Ryder fans, but people also say to make fun of Ryder fans is you don't have anything else going on. So this is, this right. is, this is the highest level the sports only league got, no culture. The team in the province, right? I think yeah. There's no other pro sports. Yeah. You've got junior hockey. Right. You've right. got players who play in the NHL, but no NHL teams. Was there growing up in Saskatchewan? Was was there a uh, a, a hockey um, allegiance at all? Like, what was I would imagine the Oilers, or the Jets, the Oilers, and the or the Jets, or like was there sort of you know people in Regina are more likely to be Oilers fans? Or was hockey was pro hockey not really? I don't know because we didn't grow up. You weren't watching hockey. hockey. Family. My grandpa yeah. was baseball, so we watched baseball. Right. My grandpa's house. My dad was football, so we watched football at home. And so I don't have much hockey knowledge. I know that my grandpa's principle with hockey was always geographic proximity. Mm. So he cheered for Calgary. He cheered for the Flames. Mm. <clears throat> By counting up kilometers. 
<laughs> when he got places. out the ruler. Yeah. And like looked on the map. Five hundred and fifty kilometers done. I guess you know what the thing is. I I mock that, but look, it's a good a reason as any to choose a team. It's, it's probably the least arbitrary, I suppose. I don't know. Oh, Neil, right. what, what you, you're not a huge sports fan, or you, do you do you feel like you have a team? Well, the funny thing about it that I was just thinking is how much this does always go back to right. you know, a kind of paternal uh, mm-hmm. thing because uh, the specific reason that I like the uh, sports that I do and even the teams in the sports that I do is because of, like directly because of my father, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason that I really like seeing uh, baseball in person actually is just because mm-hmm. he took me quite a bit as a child. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the, the Vancouver Canadians hold this kind of disproportionate uh, place. Who are the Vancouver Canadians? <laughs> the AAA, the, the, the AAA, baseball? Uh, AAA baseball. Are they still yeah. there? They no. used to be uh, single A, I think. Oh, okay. Now they're, now they're AAA. Um, yeah, so funnily enough, I was just thinking about that. Like, I've never gotten into the Canucks, who are much more prominent right. uh, in the kind of cultural life of the city. But mm. uh, Although I do remember briefly the Vancouver Grizzlies uh, mm, yeah. appearing and making this kind of ill-conceived bid for, <laughs> for you know, everyone's affections. <laughs> I've seen a couple of Grizzly games. I was there at the time. Yeah. I saw uh, Shaquille O'Neal play as a Laker against oh, wow. the Grizzlies, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, now playing in Memphis. So, but I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, for me, it's really a combination of the fact that that's what my father liked, and also actually being physically in that city and, and going to those places. So, and it's I'm funny. not sure I could have, I and I haven't ever followed a team that was not in the city where I lived, like proximate, right. yeah, yeah, very proximate. It does seem to be a thing with baseball that I've I've noticed people who are not generally sports fans, <laughs> maybe hmm. like Melissa, for instance, my girlfriend likes to go see baseball. It's interesting. But ha- doesn't really like sports at all. So there is something about that sport maybe that's... Um, the sport of non-sport people? <laughs> that the, the well, baseball's a pastime, right? Uh, right. People always refer to it. It's a natural... Pa- I mean, even now, the difference between, for me, for watching football and watching baseball is that uh, if I sit down to watch a football game, I'm very focused and very serious about it and I'm passionate about what happens in the action. Baseball is kind of, there's so many games, it's like, it's on in the background, and mm. I'm making dinner, and yeah. I check in on it every now and again, or, you know, it's very it's slow-paced, obviously. And I mean, yeah. I know football's also pretty slow-paced, but uh, there's only so many games. In this. And so I think, and even going, like, I, I love go, when Edmonton had the Capitals here mm-hmm. for a while, those were great games to go watch, uh, you know, see washed up Jose Canseco mm-hmm. pre-shooting his pre-shooting finger shooting off. Pre-shooting his finger off. Um, pre-talking about space taxis. Uh, but <laughs> he, still great. He pitched in that game. He pitched. He didn't want to. He had to play outfield, and he really didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, and people yelled at him for his role in The Apprentice. That's right. If I remember. <laughs> and I think I got a free hat. So, all in all. Good times. But that's one of the things that's interesting, I think, about sports and local communities is a lot of the times... Um, the more interesting sports teams are those lower level teams mm-hmm. especially like low level baseball and mm-hmm. I don't know about in Vancouver mm-hmm. but I know that one of the fun things about low level like AAA teams or whatever in America is they'll have really original and unique theme nights mm-hmm. uh, they'll yeah. have crazy uniforms I mean I mm-hmm. posted on Facebook recently that hockey the low level hockey wears like one team wore the Batman uniform the other team had the Riddler uniform <laughs> and of course there was a fight I think the Riddler won. Did he? In a fist fight versus well, Batman. The, there was the puffy shirt team too, the Seinfeld team. Sure, uh, yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, minor hockey has some pretty crazy uniforms. Um, but, I mean, I suppose another interesting aspect of this question is what did you play as well, right? Like, is, is mm. your interest in a particular sport tied to... Um, yeah, that's interesting. Because, Reg, you played a lot of soccer growing I, up. Yeah, almost exclusively. Do you follow soccer? And I follow no professional soccer <laughs> The curse of soccer, yeah. though, particularly in places like North America and, and, and Australasia and New Zealand, is that high, high participation numbers, uh, crappy sort of top-tier quality and low TV um, mm. sort of revenue and lo low, low numbers in terms of watching local soccer. And My dad would get up on Saturday mornings early mm. when we finally got cable which was after I'd already moved out of the house to watch soccer it was the only opportunity we didn't have soccer really? on TV so yeah, we, we didn't true. watch it mm. Mm. did he watching what British English Premier League yeah, or Premier League does, does he have a team you know yeah he likes Tottenham because he thinks Hotspurs is a great name yeah and that did but also sort of random he just kind of liked it yeah, yeah and that didn't uh translate to your watching you I would already moved out at that point yeah. so it doesn't have the same sort of I guess nostalgic draw see I that to me that that is the basis of my interest in Premier League or soccer I suppose which is that when I was a kid my dad's English so there's that too and so he there was always a soccer ball we'd kick it around and whatever um and I remember as a kid watching uh, liking Liverpool, so I mean, I'm, I'm a bad example of what I was talking about before because they were at that time. This is the '80s. They were they were a good team. They were winning everything, and I liked them as a four year old or a five year old, um, and and so they're still my team now. Um, but I th you can sort of forgive a kid, I suppose, for for having that kind of interest in the team. And they're they're bad now, so I, I I'm paying for it, I suppose. But uh, but yeah, nostalgia, I suppose, is the key mm -hmm. thing there too. It seems as though also for all of us, there seems to be a real paternal connection mm -hmm. to the teams that we mm -hmm. follow. And I'll also say that even now, mm -hmm. when I call home and I talk to my father, most mm -hmm. of our conversation Same with me. is yeah. sports. about mm -hmm. sports. Yeah. Usually, like, what's the deal with sports? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No, but most of the conversation centers around that. And so, mm -hmm. on the one hand, it's bonding. But I think on the other hand, it also, like, you know... No, I, you mean as a sort of avoidance of... Yeah, we don't, we don't want to small talk. Talk about your feelings. We're talking about feelings. <laughs> feelings. I assume that's what women do. I yeah. Follow. <laughs> Straight up catharsis. Well, do, do any of you have, like, do, my mom My mom does not really follow any professional no. yeah, sports no, whatsoever. No. Yeah. Does yours, Reg? My, mom, my dad's got season tickets uh, to the Riders, and she goes maybe to half of... The games, like grudgingly though, or does she want to go? She really enjoys games yeah. that aren't close because she finds the stress of two games to be too much. So she is invested. Oh, wow! wow. Huh. But it's how it's, do you? It's a strange investment because you can never predict in advance what's going to be a blow right. and what's going to be a close game. So she goes into every game with this like incredible trepidation that she's <laughs> not going to enjoy it. Right. That's that's crazy too because that is the opposite of what most people would yeah. think going into a sporting event. You would think I want high drama and a close game. Here's here's the but an interesting take on that too would be like for most sports, particularly ones that I don't particularly follow a team in, I want to see a close, exciting game with lots of twists and turns. But if there's a, with teams that I have an investment in, I'll often not watch it and find out what the score was before I see it. 
and then watch it if I if this if the outcome is good, right? Really? Particularly with like the All Blacks or maybe with well, Liverpool sometimes. For too. me, with the Grey Cup, the Riders won last year, and the last time they won before that was two thousand seven, which mm-hmm. is a very close game. Two thousand seven was very close. The Riders barely won against a back of quarterback for the Bombers, and I spent the entire game with my stomach in knots. I couldn't yeah. even enjoy it when it was over. Yeah. It, it, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like victory. It felt like. I'm not going to throw up now. Yeah. Whereas the blowout against Hamilton last year, it was over by halftime, and it was so much more fun because it wasn't about <clears throat> the game at that point. It was about winning the game. Right. And the game itself was secondary right. to winning because I was so emotionally invested in not losing. Partly because so, the writers lost two breakups back-to-back in 2009 and, and 2010. So this it was, was, was that, partly that. There was that one where they had... Too many men on the field? They won the, the game. Riders, right? They're the first team, yeah. I think the writers like to say, first team that has ever lost a game after leading with no time left on the clock. Right. Yeah, they had to... Montreal got to re-kick a uh, field goal that we, they missed. We watched that at your house. Yes, we did. I, in 2007, were you in Saskatchewan when that happened? I was in Winnipeg. Okay. So the team the writers were playing against, the game was in Toronto. Have you been in Saskatchewan? I'm just wondering what, what it's like to be... Because I think the only similar feeling I would have to that is I remember where I was when Canada won gold at the Olympics, you know, I guess in Vancouver, uh, and I guess they did again recently. We were at Boston Pizza. Yeah, that's also actually where our, <laughs> where our photo comes from. Yeah. From the sports yeah. Blog. I was in Calgary and the Riders lost in 09, and I was at the game in 2010 when they lost in Edmonton when they lost here, both to Montreal. Yeah. So my dad, uh, they won last year, 2013, at home in Regina. My dad had tickets, season ticket holder, he got tickets. So my, my uh, immediately younger brother and I both said we didn't want to go. We wanted our younger brother to go because we'd been to Grey Cup in 2010 uh-huh. and it was something we'd done. But partly, I think, because we both thought we were maybe jinxes. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I love all the So my dad and my yeah. other brother were at the game. Probably an amazing experience. And oh. my other brother... Are both we're sort of glad we didn't go. Because well, if you'd gone, like we mu- they might have lost. Like, they would have lost the game. Yeah, <laughs> quarterback would look yeah. up and be like, "Oh shit!" It's like you're welcome, guys. You yeah. won. Man. Give me my ring. Because I feel like there must. It, I feel like it um, must change. Maybe I don't know. If for you being in New Zealand, is mm. it different if you're in New Zealand and the All Blacks win as opposed to? I, well, I've never I've never seen them live, so that may be. Right, doesn't help, but um, I mean they're an example of a team that I that 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 I actually, in a funny way, don't even particularly like that sport anymore because I don't watch it that much now, and I've sort of gone off it. But but there's this sort of iconographic quality to that team, which is you know it's the biggest team in the country and it's the sort of national sport. So I'll follow them, but I definitely don't care as much as I used to. I think it's you know maybe something that you sort of grow out of a little bit as well. I don't know whether not going to that Grey Cup is part of that for you too. Like, do you feel like you're, Reg? Like, are you? Do you care less, or do you care more? Are you? Sort I of, care less now. Partly, yeah. the the win felt like it sort of put a nice that you, tidy bow on yeah, it. Right, on like, right, right. Um, from two thousand eight to twenty fourteen of right. of watching every single CFL game and dil- diligently following standings and players and injuries. Partly, it's running out of time. I mean, I'm hopeful that when my son's older, we can watch the football together, but right now he's got no interest in it. He's not even a year and a half. So I PVR games, then watch them later, mm. fast-forwarding through bad plays and commercials. So it's not at all the same, and I'm not as emotionally invested. 
I'm finding too the more uh, what what's changing for me is like <clears throat> what interests me in sports is changing. Um, so that it, it, it's sort of less the when I was a kid, I think it was a, it was a lot to do with like nationalism and and a sort of weird pride and whatever. But now it's much more about. Um, personalities in a sense right like sort of following controversies involving big personalities which is why i think the nfl is so great right and to some extent the nba so the nba is interesting for me because I, I actually don't like the sport much at all i don't really like basketball but i follow i follow it like as a sort of spectacle i suppose that's what i'm talking about there's a sort of spectacular quality to it um yeah i was just thinking i wonder if part of these choices are about the kind of community want to be in right i was thinking about my my choice to not follow the canucks right is kind of the canucks are obviously the big sports team in town the big franchise right but for some reason i guess because i don't think of vancouver as a winter sports city mm. it would seem odd to me to uh to follow um the local hockey team right so i wonder if part of that is a choice about what how you conceive of your community or what you think of its boundaries as being or what you think of its significance as being i mean to me i think of my hometown as as kind of spring summer Mm -hmm. right so it is actually like i would choose baseball if only for kind of magical reasons to cause baseball (laughs) vancouver to to come into place right rather than but the nature of those community questions are really interesting too i have some friends who are uh, dedicated, diehard Oilers fans who are resentful, angry, perhaps jealous of friends who live in Vancouver when they started getting really excited about the Canucks. Like, yeah. you, haven't, you haven't earned this. You haven't yeah. suffered through painful losses or bad seasons as if their fandom was somehow worthless. Well, it is, yeah. right? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. it is. Well, but it, it does also remind me of the weird thing when, when Vancouver got the Winter Olympics, right? Mm. That I, I just think that it seems, like, it seems like the wrong Olympics to get, right? It seems like mm. that does not really represent uh, what what Vancouver is actually like. But I, I remember, like, the jokes at the time about, like, wow, like winter sports in Vancouver, right? Like, now we have a great curling arena. It's awesome. Yeah, I literally People know no one in Vancouver who knows anything about curling. Well, curling is an interesting sport yeah. to bring up because mm-hmm. the other thing I think about the prairies. So for me to move out to the prairies, um, the things that stood out to me were that the CFL is very popular, or at least in Alberta, and uh, that curling is very yeah, popular. Yeah, curling is much more popular. So than not I so ever much in Ontario. No, like, was it not not something? I mean, there's like people curled. There, I, it's, I, suppose, I knew. Right? Well, I mean, and I have. I cur- The only time I've ever curled was in Ontario, and there are curling clubs. However, I mean, uh, I it wasn't so common that a lot of people would be talking about it. Yeah. And maybe it's just the prairie people that I've associated with here, and they happen to be curlers. But it seems like it's much more popular here and in Saskatchewan than. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Wedge, but then. Definitely in Ontario. I lived in Nova Scotia for a year, and I don't know. I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, being from Vancouver, I'd heard of curling, but literally nothing else about it. Like, no yeah. other kind of associated with But now I know people who curl. You're, you're Lee curls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Neil, were you in Vancouver during the Olympics? Yes, I was. What do you remember of that? Um, I mostly remember feeling strange about this. I mean, I remember watching the seasons change from winter into spring around about February when the Olympics were happening and thinking, well, this is going to be very weird, right? And, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I kind of was opposed to the Olympics for about, you know, like a decade or so before they happened. So I, but part of what I didn't really like about it was that it seemed to play into something I don't like about Vancouver's sense of the role it plays in the world and, and in Canada. And I felt that mm. it was sort of um, as though you actually did buy a car for a somewhat egotistical 16-year-old for their birthday. Right? <laughs> like you just decided to play right into that. And I, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of, of that kind of thing. But, mm. um, but yeah, I remember at the time what was interesting about it is that uh, you felt the presence of the Olympics, right? You could really feel it around you. Mm. And, you know, you like, it's kind of, I think about cars honking and things when, when there are sports wins. And I actually right. really like that if you're watching. Or burning sports. sometimes. Yeah, or, you know, I was going to get to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where, you know, it's like, if if you win, you hear, you know, honking and fireworks and whatever and stuff. And if you lose, you, you can see smoke trails rising from downtown. And things. One thing, if we, uh, yeah. I mean, and I... Uh, about the rioting after sports thinking about emotion I can remember after that happened I saw a lot of posts on Facebook or whatever and they said well these weren't people from Vancouver these were people who came in from yeah uh, like Surrey yeah yeah these are those no good Surians yeah there's (laughs) I no actually that's that's a really interesting point about about community right and and also race but you know right yeah (laughs) but but yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that at the time, <laughs> the idea that all these people had come in from the suburbs and trashed downtown and left, and eh, it just seems kind of implausible. Right? <laughs> like, it seems a little bit implausible. Came here to riot, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. But it's also interesting how fandoms and even communities in general can be divided over things like that. Not a real fan, and we kind yeah, of talk yeah. about that. Uh, well, a lot of that's happening, I've noticed these days with the, the Oilers, who are, you know, just have been dreadful since 2007 um and been following it a little bit on facebook where um some fans are starting to to be a bit more vocal about calling for people to resign or you know changes in management and so on and the the response the the sort of classic response of the the so-called sort of loyal fan is to say well you're not a real fan right Mm -hmm. if you're so so where's that line between uh, what do we owe these teams, I suppose, is one question. Like, at, at a certain point, after missing the playoffs for, like, eight years in a row, or whatever it is, how is it disloyal to, to, to sort of question the direction that a team has taken? Like, are you not being more, you know, in a sense, loyal to the spirit of the team? Um, where, where do you draw the line in terms of... It gets weird because you have fans throwing jerseys on the ice right. as, as symbolic statements of their frustration which is a lot of money to throw away by the yeah. way but and and the, the the calling on fans to engage in relationship that's more than transactional right this is right. symbolic you, right. you put up with right. this it's a it's a long-term monogamous relationship mm-hmm. and yet the relationship is in all sports essentially transactional you pay for the merchandise you pay for the tickets mm-hmm. those are the means by which the teams exist but are they not it's protesting precisely like it's not so much about necessarily not winning but like they're they're a bad product like you're getting a defective product year after year yeah it's it's almost as if teams don't want to admit that essentially what they're selling is a product Mm -hmm. and so if you don't like the product you can stop paying for it and can start again later the idea of an interruption in fandom Mm -hmm. Is an interruption in 
in cash for the franchise, and so they don't like it, and so there's... there's Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, no, no. I mean, why, though, are there certain places where you can, you can have that default, faulty product and not get an interruption in fandom? So Coming back to the writers. Maple Leafs, right? The Toronto Maple writers, Leafs, yeah. Oilers, it seems. But like somewhere like Jacksonville in, in, in the NFL, you know, they don't fill out their stadium. Right? Well, and the other thing about when that happens, so Jacksonville is, it, it's crazy not to be a profitable NFL team, although I think they're doing They're okay. probably profitable, but... But I also think in baseball, I think a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, for example, are not very popular. And the thing about that is people ridicule those fandoms, right? right. They say that, oh, you are, those are bad fans because they don't really support... Well, so the Rays, just to fill in the background a little bit, are, have been a great team for several years, right? Right. And they get no, they, they do not sell out. They never right. sell out their games. And now, yeah. It, 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 same with the Florida Marlins, right? right. Although they're, they're bad and they've been bad. Before. They win and then they, they just gut their team. But it's interesting, like, so on the one hand, it seems like... I think, though, the thing is, it is a product, right? And, yeah, you are trying to get, I guess, return on your investment. But it's more of, like, the capital is emotional. So, right. And it's also a sense of pride. So, um, I mean, if you ever dare to go on to Twitter or any Internet corner that is sports-dominated and you assert your fandom one way or another, the first thing that probably happens to you is you will be ridiculed or harassed by other people who like other teams for stupid reasons. Right. But I feel like there are some teams that, whose inertia, as it were, like, would would sort of what do I mean? Um, they could suck for years, and you'd still follow them. I mean, the Cubs are a good example of that, right? Chicago Cubs, who have, been, who have never, you know, basically never won anything. They've been bad for a long time, but there's a loyalty there that I think um, that. Uh, the Marlins don't have right, and, and right. What, why is that? What, what is you know? You, you, maybe the, the question here is too like what what is it that makes a so called quote unquote great sports town? Right, you often hear about mm. St. Louis is this great sports town, Kansas City is this great sports town, Tampa is my sort of the ur image I have of the bad sports town. Right? Why is it? Why are these places? Is it because they're there, you know, no, you know, is, one of, is Tampa one of these cities where no one, no one's from Tampa? You know, there's five million people that live there, but they're all from somewhere else, right? As opposed to, you know, you, I'm, I'm, I'm a Kansas City guy from day one. Kind of thing. I wonder, I wonder if there is a connection to that sort of romanticism about class and suffering. Yeah. Right, because when I when I think about also think about oh, what are the best sports? You'd be like, well, Boston, well, P- Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. St. Louis, Boston. Right. These are supposed to be blue collar towns. Right. I know they're not, but they're supposed to be Our hard image working. Of them is, yeah. Whereas Tampa, I think you know, it's Tampa's like, a vacation. Like it's retired snowbirds. Yeah. It's Jerry Seinfeld's parents. It's it's you know it's people who are sort of not, and this is the stereotype, like not invested. Like they've moved there because it's warm, right? They're not sort of they haven't suffered, but maybe it goes back to suffering. Then. Well, and that's the thing. I think part of the way that you build up a solidarity in your fan base and you weed out the not good fans is your team has to suck for a long time. And I speak as a fan who's my teams have not really won any chance. They've been decent. They've been good, but they haven't won anything. But also I think that there's, there's got to be something to where the team offers you I don't know, a certain kind of respite from what you go through as someone who lives in Cleveland or whatever, right? Like that, there's a, there's a kind of 
there's a hard one quality to that loyalty in a sense, right? Where or a way in which they represent that. Right. The writers were terrible in the eighties and nineties. Right. Uh, there was a telethon to save the team. They would have gone under. And starting with ninety nine, they've been pretty consistently competitive. But I mean, when I was a kid, I was cheering for the riders, and they were almost always bad. Three and fifteen records, stuff like that. And so the team, you start cheering for the team, real fan. Partly because they're bad, you're proving yourself. But then the team becomes somehow symbolic of people in Saskatchewan. This underdogs, Struggling. hard scrabble. Yeah. Right, every right, you know, right. we don't get respect from other. Bigger cities, bigger centers. Regina is a small city, relatively, and so the team ends up representing those things and not cheering for them when they suck is indicative of abandoning that community as well. Hmm. But should it be? I mean, in an ideal world, should it be more like you know some sort of capitalist free market where we're like, well, if you're bad, I won't support you, so that will motivate you to be good. But I think we still. <laughs> it's weird. That seems like such a strange I'm trying interpretation to think about, of sports, right? Well, I'm trying to think about how how because I think sports are connected to to well, we talked about family, and so you're sort of born into it, and it follows that regard. So I'm trying to think of alternative reasons to follow a team, and that one of which would be the opposite of the real fan, and that is the I will only support you if you put out a good product. Tough love. I will I will purchase your product. If it is good, if you are good. And that is, I will support your team if you are winners. But I think that, that there's something lacking in that that's, that a lot of sports fans, at least on the surface, wouldn't buy into, right, as it were. That there's something too mercenary. Like, the, the, the people playing for you can be mercenary, but you, but as a fan, you can't really be in a sense. Right, but even then, and this is another, this is another interesting point to go to, your opinions, at least I've found... Uh, as much as I don't like to admit it, my opinions about players personally will change. According to who they're If playing. they play for my team, I will start coming up with excuses. <laughs> Just for... wait till the Vikings sign Ray Rice. You'll be like, oh, <laughs> oh God. Oh, you imagine? <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Like... I was like, well, you know. I Actually, I don't want to even make a joke No, about that. that's probably a little too soon. But I know No, what... you're right, though, in general, right? It's, it's that, that if, if when Pete player players swap or you know you can very quickly lose any qualms about a certain player when they decide to 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 be on your team right does this dedication to teams would it does it translate to other things like if you love a tv show and suddenly it gets bad do you make excuses for that show for a while if you have like a book series you really like and suddenly it falls off or or alternatively do you invest in a series or something like that like I'm trying to see if like art and sports and those kinds of fandom like Star Wars for example um, the new trailer was that so you know that's mm. does it work that way and is can we do, do hypothesize based on I that? don't know I, my, my feeling is that you that there's less transference and that I think that on however strange a level we like to see ourselves in the players that represent us supposedly as opposed to, like, I don't look at the guy in the Star Wars trailer and think, oh, yeah, good, wow. <laughs> Get out of that desert. You know, I, 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 that could be me, right? Whereas you do kind of look at the, 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 the sports player and think, you know, that's sort of, in some ways, however however screwed up that is, like, that that's sort of, in some ways, an embodiment of who you are, too. If, if we're talking about that kind of connection with, say, Regina or that connection with the All Blacks, that there, there, there's a sort of representation of the best of who you could be as well. 
But if we're talking about nostalgia or even mm. things we inherit, then Star Wars is a good example. Mm. Star Wars potentially a franchise that people get into because their parents liked it at this point. Mm -hmm. Or things you liked because you liked them as a kid. Mm. You continue to like them now. Mm. I mean, thinking about... the You mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs. The fact that they haven't won in a long time. Sold out. What? They're the most expensive night out Mm -hmm. in sports entertainment in North America. Really? It, it's not a, a struggling franchise. They're, they're, they don't win. They mm. haven't made the playoffs a number of years. They make in the playoffs and they get eliminated. Is so there not... So here's another... This may be sort of a tangential question, but I think it comes out of what you're saying. Like, it, there is the phenomenon, I think, though, of the kind of sad sack fan who... who, who will follow a bad team and almost get a weird kind of sadistic pleasure or I guess masochistic pleasure out of that too. Like is there a certain pleasure in in the in the fan bashing their head against a brick wall year after year after year and that th there's almost a kind of moral Maybe uh, Yeah. It's like wearing a hair shirt. You somehow are you're purer because of it's it. It's very <laughs> uh yeah self-flagellating right well i think if you if you see yourself or your community as an underdog in right. some way right you're not going to choose the kind of but what if you yeah. see sorry to interrupt no. you what if you see your community as an underdog and you recognize it probably will never ever you're not going to get the underdog story that you want mm. well the browns yeah. are never going to win the super bowl right it, it, johnny manzel <laughs> i don't i, I, I don't I, you know, Cleveland, right? Cleveland. Cleveland might make the playoffs this year. But yeah, okay, they're bad, and, and they've had whew, a pretty terrible history. Um, Why would you still support those teams? Well, here's a, here's a question then counter to that. Or not counter, but that fits in. Is it better to be cheering for a team that is a perpetual loser or a team that is never a winner but kind of just average? Is that less of an identity? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Hmm. Like, yeah, the Cubs, I'd rather the Cubs have an identity, a Cubs right. fan, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. it's lose. epic. Yeah, yeah. you've been um, following the team. Who's gonna Who's gonna support the Arizona Cardinals? Like, you know what I mean? Like, they could win the Super Bowl this year, and, and yeah. it seems like one of the most vanilla teams you could possibly. Well, one reason right? I think for that is market. I mean, if you're not a coastal team, right. I don't think you get the kind of coverage that, say, you know, the New York Giants. Still get now, even or, though they're or, bad. and you're not a big Arizona's not a big market either. So like Dallas is a huge market. So if they do well or if they do bad, we hear about it all the time. Whereas, but if you said to me like, okay, I can either support the Kansas City Chiefs or the Arizona Cardinals, I'm going with Chiefs, right? Really? Yeah. Okay. But it, why is that? I don't know. Like that, that's well, Andy what Reed situation probably. would you be presented with only two possible teams? <laughs> it's a thought experiment. No, no. I'm just, I'm just curious about the resemblance of that to the actual. Putting the system. Well, on the track. Both, yeah. both of those teams are like flyover country, not non sort of not really major markets. Although I guess Phoenix is a pretty big city. But no, um, Kansas City. But one so. of them seems to me to be like a pretty a Teflon or like a simulacral team, and they, they're awesome. You know, I, I know that on some level. Who cheers for the Washington Generals? Right. Yeah. I think one thing though is that Kansas City has a longer history in the NFL than the Arizona Cardinals do. But it's maybe also tied up with sort of like barbecue, and I don't know, like this also maybe. weird sort of. They they also exist in a like jazz you know, comes from they have now. rivalry maybe maybe Kansas City is but why why then in baseball are the Kansas City Royals not a popular team I mean I know they rose well, they up were. this year 
this and, year. Yeah. And suddenly everyone was like, yeah, Royals, that Lord song. But why is it that otherwise they're just kind of a joke? Well, in, in the Major League Baseball, they don't really have great ties. And maybe this is the difference in, because I'm thinking football historically, but I think Kansas City, yeah, they've got great rivalries with uh, like like the Raiders for some reason or Denver or whoever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and also they had Joe Montana for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, not a long time, but a couple years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that makes a difference too. You can, you can really press yourself into a sort of history, so maybe we're back to nostalgia that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas a team like the Cardinals, well, they had that one run to the Super Bowl that they didn't actually get. I don't think they've ever won a Super Bowl. Um, they're not a very old team. I think aren't they pretty, I thought they were like Chicago. Well, I mean in the in being in Arizona. In Arizona, yeah. yeah. But at yeah. the same time, I mean I was going to google them but I'm not going to bother now. I'll just be wrong on the podcast. Nobody listens anymore. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> let you down again. But yeah. yeah, I think it's it's a bit different in that regard and well, what does it mean then also if your favorite team are, say, the Yankees? Or what does it mean if your favorite team is the New England Patriots and you've only been cheering them for, for 10 years? Is that boring too? If your team is always winning all the time. I think that... it makes a difference if when the Patriots, as they inevitably will, start to be bad for a while. Well, whenever Brady's done, you'd have to think they're you've on a big decline. You've got to stick with them. If you, chose, if you chose them as a good team, you've got to stick with them. And then you're, I think you're an authentic fan. In this well... But that, I think, gives you... Does it give you a better sense of... Because I remember on Reddit, um, they have all these NFL subreddits, and they had these stats of which subreddits grew the most in the last year. Mm. Which one do you think grew the most? In the last year? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. The Seahawks. Oh, right. They won the Super Bowl. Their subreddit grew tremendously. Because they were successful. And then, as but a result, everyone ridiculed them. They're like, "Oh, Seattle bandwagon fans." Bandwagon yeah, fans. So. But, but then, there's sort of a larger question here: is like, why do like isn't surely isn't one reason that we watch sports, say, uh, on a fundamental level, to enjoy the product? And so, so why would you watch a really terrible team for 50 years? Like, why wouldn't you change to watch a good team if, on some level, you're you're wanting to make like, are you not entertained, or do you not want to be entertained? Well, I mean, I think. It goes back to, I hate to say tribalism and stuff like that, but you have a dedication to your particular group, mm. and you've chosen this group, and you feel a part of it, and then you have emotional investment. I think for me in sports, it took me a long time to just say to myself, I don't control anything that happens on this field, mm. and therefore I shouldn't feel bad. Like If someone insults me for being a fan of this team, it's just like, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Mm. It's not like I personally decided to do this. Did, and yet, did you personally come and urinate on my wife? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. Well, we didn't talk about bowling and that sort of fandom. <laughs> I, I think, um, I think though, you still have strong emotional ties, and there's always hope, even when you, in every off season, and maybe this is different for sports like baseball, where you have a pretty good sense at what teams will be good mm-hmm. to great, and you already know at the start of the year which teams will be bad. Whereas in football, it's kind of more of a guess, and any team can rise up at any point, and yet at the same time, we know some teams probably never will. Um, there's always hope, and the payoff is going to be sweet. I mean, if you're a Cubs fan, and they win the they World win. Series, yeah. that's insane. It's But, well, here's an interesting question, though, I, and I thought about this, or I read some stuff about it when the, when the Red Sox finally won, right, a few years ago. 
doesn't isn't there incalculable loss from Red Sox fandom and Red Sox identity or we'll say the after that we'll say the Cubs win this year this coming year what does it mean to be a Cubs fan now now that you've won instead of like being that team that this sort of lovable loser right that, and I'm not saying you, of course you choose the win right if you're a Cubs fan you choose you would choose if someone said to you prior to the you season, want to win you can either keep losing or you can win the World Series but there's something that is lost in the in, in the it's not a zero sum game in other or what happens if the Cubs go on to be perennial winners? They win all the time. Well, the all Sox won. What do they win? Well, the Red Sox have won three World Series, yeah. two World Series since then. So, um, yeah, they, and they're a powerhouse team. And they didn't change. The other thing about Boston changing over was like they just suddenly they got a good general manager and they started spending all their money. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really. And that's what the Cubs are doing right now. That's why it's Theo Epstein mm-hmm. who managed Boston to those World Series now is the general manager of the Cubs now. And they're spending money. And they they've have, hired not like the Red Sox. Madden, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Madden from from the Rays. So I think it. I think for one thing, one thing that we haven't really considered is how is your own personal identity affected by that sport. So, do you personally feel better about yourself? Because, and I think I don't know if Laura came home or not, but she would tell you. Reg talked earlier about how if the team loses, probably their family knows not to call him up or something like that. Rich, though, do, do you find that now, maybe now more than you're, I mean, thinking of my own experience, is there a certain irony, though, to how you react badly now as, as you're getting older? Yeah. As opposed to, like, I remember when I was a kid and the All Blacks would lose, I'd be really upset. And now I'm sort of upset, but it's a knowing upsetness, right? Where I'm like, I know that I'm upset about this and that it's kind of silly. It's a bit ridiculous. But I'm still upset, but the, but the knowledge doesn't really take away from the fact that it's, like... I don't know, it's a hard thing to describe, but I'm sort of aware of it in the moment, but I'm also wallowing in it in, a, in, a, in an authentic way while also being ironic about it. One of the things, I will get back to this generally, circuitously coming back to it, um, being in Calgary but watching the Grey Cup mm-hmm. on TV versus watching the Grey Cup the next year in Edmonton in 2010 on the field is, like, is very different. So the loss in 2009 was devastating. Partly because it's maybe going to be the most famous Grey Cup loss, so I keep seeing the highlights. Wound keeps getting reopened every time TSN does a top 10 sports errors. Mm. But 2010, the writers lose, and it sucks because that was the year they were supposed to get redemption for the previous year. Mm. Um, But being there, and uh, I had a, a press pass, I was working for a photographer, running memory cards back and forth, so I was able to see players walk around like the actual people playing the game how devastated the rider players were and how elated the alouette players were was on the field when the gray cup was presented and the mom of one of the alouettes looked at me and said oh it's so nice there's so many people on the field so great like her son had just won the gray cup and she was so happy and it was i couldn't really wallow in my bitterness my team had lost because this was a real triumph for people who had also played and suffered and then being outside the locker room listening to Anthony Calvillo's wife talk to a reporter off the record after he just announced his thyroid problems mm. you're like oh this like these are real people mm. and it was a completely different experience of the general remove mm. and so ever since 2010 I've always felt conscious about how ridiculous I am when I get upset mm. more aware of the players who themselves have just lost or shaking hands on the field like it can be mm-hmm. devastating to lose the championship but they're professionals this is what they do for a living for me as a fan, my identity's wrapped up in it 
in such a different way than the people who are actually playing the sport that it is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I a lot get of, so upset. A lot of fans, I think, struggle to think of athletes as real people, much like they struggle to think of celebrities as real people. I think that's one thing that the internet has taught them. And I think also um, there's an investment by fans in sport, um, something that I, I think we're I consciously think about as well. It's like there's an investment in sports and in players that we um, think that they owe us things, mm-hmm. or we think that. Because I remember Prince Fielder, um, after the Tigers lost in the World Series, reporter asked him about it, and he essentially said he didn't care; he just wanted to get back to his kid. And Tigers fans were outraged, but on a larger level, I think to myself, well, he spends like 160 some days, you know playing baseball far away from his family probably is a sense of relief to him that now he finally gets to go back and he's like a multi-millionaire playing a game that he really likes to play so maybe they they bounce around from team to team maybe he doesn't really care but there's a sense to which we as fans Mm -hmm. feel as though players must match our passion Mm -hmm. and we're outraged when they don't Mm -hmm. even though I've always I've always want like I really liked Randy Moss because he was a Viking, but I also kind of liked it when he came out and said, I play when I want to play. Mm-hmm. If I want to dominate, I dominate. If I don't, I don't. Because it's almost daring you to cut him from your team, and you can't because he's too good. Part of what's going on there too is that contradictory desire in the media, but also fandom to for players. You know, On the one hand, you, you want them not to be robots and to have personalities because it's interesting, but as soon as they say something that expresses that kind of thing, and it's contrary to what you expect of them to say as a representative of your team. You come down on them like a ton of bricks, right? Yeah. Um, one question I have that's maybe sort of connected but slightly different is: Have you ever? Do you have a team? Uh, they call this in in, in English soccer um, ABU, I think. Anyone but United. <laughs> the, the the idea of a team that's just your sort of nemesis. Neil, like, probably. Seeing as you don't really have a team yeah, you no, follow, no, no, no. Probably, I don't know. It would be kind of weird if you had a team, <laughs> just, just a team I just randomly despised. hated, you know. But yeah, no, no, Neil, um, Neil again. <laughs> Neil, Neil, try did. answering that problem. <laughs> I don't have a better answer for you now. <laughs> what about now, Ridge? I mean, I do. Um, in CFL, but it changes depending on who's good that season, right? So <laughs> anyone, because really, it's any. I want the riders to win if the riders don't. Right. I'll often pick a team. Like this year, I'm cheering for Hamilton yep. to win tomorrow over Calgary. Because right. uh, Calgary had the better record. Calgary's the divisional rival. Right. Hamilton lost to the riders last year. So it somehow feels like, well, if we beat them, we beat them the year before. So maybe this is something that like we can give it to them. Like It's really patronizing and condescending. Mm-hmm. But I I don't have a specific team other than Montreal under Mark Trestman with Anthony Covey as the quarterback because they beat the riders twice. Mm-hmm. When they, when Tressman coached Calgary, you must be loving the fact that Chicago was garbage. Not hating it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so whoever's on the ascent, yeah, you're against Matt. Well, for me, for you a, have divisional rivalries, right? So I think for Vikings fans in general, the Packers we always want to lose, and then more recently, kind of like the Saints because of the sort of the the way that they beat the Vikings and the Bounty Gate and all yeah. that. But I also I'm also, I hate any team that the media lavishes with praise. I'm always, you know, 
and that happens all the time. Yeah, so I mean, I don't right now probably like the Seahawks. I don't really like Seahawks. I have to be frank; are pretty hard to like, though. I think. Well, for some reason, some people like them because they're hard. Like, right. I mean, I just think, I think with a team like the Seahawks now, now this is showing my fandom because I'm venting my frustration. I think I hate when they play the cliche and then the media praises the cliche Mm. while complaining about cliches. Right, like Richard Sherman is interesting, but he's also like we've seen this over mm. and over. Mm. Anyways, that's that's my rant. Mm. Um, how about you? Do you well, I, I just I mean, for, you know, as a kid, it was always like Australia, anything Australian, so any sport like rugby, cricket, soccer, anything they played, I, I would be against. And I I still retain that. I still like to see them lose. Um, it's less virulent now than it was. I think we all like to see America lose. There's no problems with that. I, you know what? I actually didn't mind them in the World Cup. The Soccer World Cup this year. I was sort of rooting for them, actually. But they, they were an underdog there, right? Like, there's a weird yeah. sort of... Mm. Like, if the U.S. basketball team loses... I, you know, but fine with that. I, I think one thing I look for in sports now, which is relatively new, is just... I like to see disasters unfold, right? I like, <laughs> I like when a team, particularly if a team, say, has a... Um, has a has a lot of uh, promise, right? Like, I mean, the Cavaliers, right, are a great example this year in basketball. Where and they seem to be riding the ship a little bit, but LeBron goes back there and they get Kevin Love and they've got Kyrie Irving, and it's like they're they're the favorites, right? right. And they start out I don't know what they were like five and eight or something. Like they start out really badly. I love that. I just I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, ex- expectation versus reality, I suppose. And personal player meltdowns too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was wondering about that too earlier because I was thinking that I think there's a distinction to be made between a good game and a winning game in mm. the sense that when I think about the worst games that I've ever seen in the sense of the most boring mm-hmm. kind of ones where everyone's just competent or everything is kind of mediocre and both teams are you know evenly enough matched that it's not really exciting but it's also not you know a massacre on either side. I mean, someone won that game, all of those games, mm-hmm. right? scoreless draws aside but like uh i mean you could have a team i was thinking about uh, thinking earlier about what theo was saying about the mid-range kind of teams where yeah. they're not they don't have a narrative of being the underdog or the overdog mm. they're kind of kind of banal and mm. i feel like part of that does have to do with how you can have a good game that your team doesn't necessarily win and mm-hmm. vice versa like mm-hmm. your team can win a game and it's not a good one it's not one that you watching as a game but I, I also wonder if that's having a fandom is a way to redeem those games mm. right? is a way to invest them with a greater kind of with a greater meaning even if the spectacle doesn't you know it's a bad spectacle or this you know it's a boring game i mean it's really hard for me to remember the boring games that i've seen but someone won mm. right? yeah that went down wins. as a win in someone's book mm. yeah. yeah you usually forget those sort of it's if it's really bad you'll remember if it's really great you don't remember those. Yeah, how many before. football games have you watched in your entire life? Right. And what percentage of of plays do you even remember? Yeah, yeah. None. I have CTE probably. <laughs> as many as Emmett oh, Smith. Too soon. <laughs> wow. We should probably draw wow. more clothes, but I have. On that note, I have. A, I have. A, I'm gonna end this with like a. This is a, a question for Reg, and we'll see if he can answer this one. So you talked about your father changing his team alliance. Um, so you guys could all cheer for the for the um, 
the Rough Riders, that it worked out well for you, right? You're very passionate about it. And you said you wouldn't do it for Henry, and he'll follow you, and you'll both be. What if you knew that if you choose to be a fan of the Edmonton Eskimos right now, Henry would have the same kind of experience that you had, but if he stayed with the Rough Riders, it'd be a lesser experience. Would you betray your own fandom <laughs> for the benefit of your son? Sophie's choice over here. Jeez. That is a really hard question. I don't know how you can answer this without yeah. looking like Can I just bad? let him cheer for the Winnipeg Jets and forget the Oilers? <laughs> but it's interesting question. because... When you when you told that story, I was like, man, why would your dad do that? He must not have been a real fan to begin with. So, anyways, that that's kind of I think it's it's interesting how it runs. Yeah. It's because on the one hand, cheering for a sports team is so trivial and it doesn't really even matter. And you could just like sports, but on the other hand, it's also the only thing that matters. So, well, yeah, I yeah. I will try to answer with an anecdote. I once had a job interview with the Edmonton Eskimos where I was asked about if I followed the CFL and if I have any fan teams. It was like my, my Paul denying Jesus moment. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and I sort of like flubbed the answer and I was like, well, you know, like my dad's a big Ryder fan and I think the Eskimos are interesting. And I just I felt think. so dirty. Uh, so I think there's, it would be hard for me to, to give that up. Yeah. Because then I would, I'd want to share the fandom with him. Like partly it's, it's the, the father-son thing. Like I'd want to share with him. So if I knew... That he would get a lot out of the Eskimos. I hope my dad doesn't know what podcasts are. I, I think I might. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, because uh, the writers won in 2013, you know, narrative capstone. Yeah. I don't know. I, But I think I might. Mm. I wouldn't like it, but I might. Well, you, 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 that's, there's no, that's a no-win scenario. He is eating an apple right now. <laughs> anyway, unless there are any more final thoughts from the Jerry Springers around here, I think we'll call that a wrap. It's a good episode. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me yeah, on our show. Thanks, guys. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. <laughs>